Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to season seven, the first episode of season seven of Owning It, the Anxiety podcast with me, your host and author, Caroline Foran. For this episode, I am joined by Dr. Claire Kambamethu, who has been on the series a few times with me. She is a clinical psychologist. She is one of my absolute go-to experts for distilling a lot of what can be overwhelming jargon into something that we can all very easily digest. She's brilliant, she just articulates everything so well. And for this episode, we are talking about the anxiety that we might experience as a result of consuming pretty much around the clock news, social media, whether it's news on your TV or on your phone or just the social media apps that you might use and the impact that this is having on our mind, on our anxiety, which we might not be aware of. We might not even think that consuming the news is contributing to anxiety, but it very well could be. And here, Claire sheds light on that. And we also offer lots of advice, tips and approaches to making a change if that's what you need in your life to help you further own your anxiety. So happy new year. Welcome back and I hope you find this as helpful as I did. Dr. Claire Kambametu, I'm so happy to be joined by you once again. You are fast becoming a regular expert of mine on Owning It, the Anxiety podcast. Thank you so much for coming back. How are you? So happy to be joining you. Um, I'm good. It's a really funny question, I think, these days, isn't it? Because I I think everybody says, yeah, you know what? Things are things are okay." But in the backdrop of it all, there's obviously this ongoing pandemic. And um, and uh, yeah, there's all the trickiness that goes with that. Yeah, it's definitely like it is the backdrop to everything at the moment. And I just did not think we would be here. I mean, I remember recording a podcast 
months ago about helping people emerge out of COVID yes. and the anxiety that would go along with that. And certainly in Ireland, we're kind of still dancing around in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know when that will change. And that's what we want to talk about today. So just for anyone who is new to you, we've done two episodes before you were my very first guest helping me shed light on like what exactly is anxiety in the first place, how it happens. And then we did an amazing episode, if I do say so myself, <laughs> around the five P's, which is really helpful for me. And now we're going to talk about I guess the anxiety that is might seem innocuous but is probably very widely experienced and can start to really erode our our sense of well-being and and lead to like anxiety and that is just this constant consumption of the news whether that's on news websites or news tv or social media I think it's a big issue for a lot of people and I know you've talked about it on your Instagram for people just to be a little bit mindful of it but just how much of an impact does the news we consume and the information we consume every day actually have on us I found that when the latest um resurgence of the virus started to happen I noticed in myself that I would go to work and the first thing I would do would be to open RTE or the journal and then I would check in at some point kind of mid-morning if I was in my office and then at lunchtime and I just over the course of a few days it started to creep in where I just began to check the news more and more often and I was noticing at the same time that it was making me feel even worse. And there's a really good reason for why we do check news. And it's that when we, when our brain detects a threat, a few things happen in our body. Um, and one of those things is the release of different um, hormones that are associated with our fight or flight anxiety, fight, flight, freeze, anxiety management response. But part of that response is to focus our attention on that threat. Because if you think about it, if something's trying to eat us or chase us or steal our food. We don't want to be distracted by other things in that moment. We want to be focusing on the Mm -hmm. thing that is actually the threat to us. So our brain focuses in and we're more likely then to keep trying to find information out about that particular threat, about the thing that we're scared of. So it's really normal, I think, for people to start to want to look at the news and hear more about what's going on and keep up to date with things. But the the side effect of that is that every time we get hit by that threat, it prolongs our anxiety and stress response. I think people probably don't realize that, like when you say the word threat there, people think of that as something very much in their vicinity and Mm -hmm. the news can seem quite abstract. So is it being perceived as as a threat on a personal level when we read the news about something else going on in the world, even something far away in the world? Do we have the same reaction to that negative news where our threat response is, is kind of triggered? I think everybody is different. That's important to say. But on a biological level, even if we're not emotionally responding to something, when we are informed or told or become aware of something really bad that happens, it subconsciously challenges what are called our core beliefs. So our beliefs about our um, our safety, I suppose, in the world, our capacity to deal with things, um, who we are and who we are with other people. Um, and so when, when we're getting this information about something bad that's happening, those core beliefs are constantly being challenged and being chipped away at. Um, and so we mightn't even be conscious of the fact that our body is having a biological stress response. Um, But when we're faced with it, it it happens in the same way as if you step out onto a road and a car whizzes by. Our bodies are really biological in lots of ways in how they respond to things. And um, threat and threat detection is probably one of the most 
subtle and immediate um, and um, kind of impulsive things that our body does uh, react to. And would empathy play a role in, I mean, I feel sometimes like when I, I feel like I have such an empathetic nature to it, to the point that it's, it can be kind of go against me and that I take on other people's problems or emotions too much, or I can relate too much to someone or I can put myself in someone else's shoes so successfully that I feel perhaps what they might feel the human nature element of seeing anyone else suffering or hearing of any bad news that common humanity element is that's going to trigger our stress response as well I suppose it can do I think um the thing to be aware of is that empathy um and empathizing with other people is an incredibly kind of potent uh Um, superpower that we can tap into because people who are empathic um, tend to be more empathic towards themselves and we know that people who are more empathic towards themselves tend to have better mental health overall but also it helps us as a social species to be more functional in that regard and to be more socially successful and again what the research is showing in the last number of years is that actually that um, idea of uh, IQ that we used to have like our kind of intelligence levels isn't as big a predictor of success in life and thriving as our emotional intelligence and empathy is something that falls under that emotional intelligence. But I suppose whether it's empathy or our attention being drawn to a bad news story for any whatever reason, it, they can both trigger our. I, I don't want to say that empathy causes the stress yeah, response, yeah. Um, because I think the stress response will will happen to maybe to a lesser degree for some people and a greater degree for more in response to uh, what we perceive as a threat. Okay. And I I think what you said there as well about how COVID isn't really, um, you know, it's not a threat that people are kind of waking up every morning and necessarily thinking, (gasps) it's out there, it's going to get me because we've become used to living with it. We've adjusted to a degree. Our brain is no longer maybe tuning into it in the way that it was back in the early days, but it is still out there. And every time we hear a news story, we are reminded of that and our sense of safety in the world. Because like if we if we actually tapped into how vulnerable we are as a, as a species or as humans and how fragile life is um, and all of the threats that are out there in the world, sure, none of us would get out of bed in the morning, never mind leave the house because it's scary. And so we have to kind of operate in order to function in our day-to-day lives with a kind of um, a, like the world is generally safe worldview. Yeah. And, and so whatever the threat is, whether it's war and the empathy you might feel for other people through that or an awareness of COVID or some other threat, hearing about something bad that happens, that is kind of tapping into our innate understanding um, of the fact that life is is fragile. And that's really scary. <laughs> Do you think there is a lot of instances especially in the last two years where people are experiencing anxiety and maybe they haven't connected the dots between their consumption of news and it elevating that stress and anxiety. Do you think people are even aware that consuming news like that to that extent, which especially with our phones, where it's not just the six o'clock news every evening, it's it's constant. Do you think that people are aware that that is creating a constant home of anxiety? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think so. My sense is, is that if we were, then the World Health Organization wouldn't have felt mm-hmm. it necessary to issue guidelines around how yeah. much news we should all be consuming to protect our mental health. And they did that in the throes of the first um, wave of the pandemic. And so I don't I think most of us are going through 
our lives, me included, because I know, you know, people think that because I'm a psychologist, I have all of this sorted. Of course I don't. I'm human first and foremost. And we go through our lives often not even being aware that our anxiety is really triggered unless we have um, a panic attack or mm. maybe over time we stop sleeping or our appetite changes or we get these real um, physical symptoms. But sometimes it takes quite a lot of anxiety building in order for us to get to that point. hundred percent. And so there's all of these triggers for our anxieties, whatever they may be, whether it's about our safety or health or our relationships or mm -hmm. our job or whatever, whatever it is in life. You know, we're being triggered quite a lot through the day without even realizing it. And so I don't I don't think people are aware of the impact of watching watching the news and uh, watching and hearing about lots of bad news. I mean, it mightn't be the sole reason why someone is suddenly having trouble sleeping and suddenly experiencing no. that anxiety, but it certainly would be, it could be a contributing factor when you add in all the other daily stresses of life and this very legitimate threat that we've all been confronted with. And we've had to condition ourselves. I keep saying to people, don't underestimate the significance that COVID will have had on just your general resilience, because yeah. you step outside your door, you need to be mentally doing checks of like, have I got my mask? Am I safe? Where can I go? Where is my distance? And I mm -hmm. think that for me anyway, I mean, I think I'm really, I have the awareness of it. I'm, I'm very aware of my, my mental health and anxiety, but I think so many people who I've spoken to are experiencing anxiety for the first time, like never mm -hmm. would have had a flutter of it in the past. And suddenly they're like, why? Oh, I don't understand where this is coming from. And I think what's really important to, to realize when it comes to consuming news and social media and everything, it seems like that would be ridiculous on its own to cause anxiety. What people don't realize is how stress can build up and build and build and build and turn into anxiety when it's not addressed or when we don't bring that stress response down. And that's where the news, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, can become a more of a, an issue over time. Yes. Yeah. Trigger for it. And let's not forget at this stage in the pandemic, I think it's really important for us to appreciate what our brains have been going through. And so that that threat that we started to become acutely aware of um, nearly 20 months ago now has been kind of circling around us where maybe some days we feel more in touch with it or some weeks and then some less. Um, but it's still out there. And so our bodies have been in this really and our brains have been in this really unusual state in the last couple of years where they have been constantly going in and out of the fight, flies, freeze response. And the impact of that is twofold. The first is that the part of our brain that controls that response, um, which is our amygdala, it's at the top of our, our brainstem. So where your head meets your neck, that's been more activated because of the threat that we're facing. And what that means is that there's less activity in our prefrontal cortex, which is um, uh, the bit behind your forehead. And that part of your brain is responsible for all of the things that you do on a daily basis that help you to rationalize, make good decisions, um, kind of control your behavior, impulse control or thought control, plan, organize, like all of those kind of higher order thinking skills. So the things that we might use, say, to go to work or to respond to a kid or a family member when they're distressed or freaking out and we're trying to calm them or, you know, all of those kind of regulatory functions that we that our brain engages in. And so it's harder for us to do all that stuff. It's harder for us to do the things that we might have found easier before the pandemic. And that's another source of stress for people because I'm meeting people certainly at the moment who are saying, 
you know, I'm really anxious and, and I'm also really tired and I don't know what's going on and my tiredness and my, you know, not being able to do the stuff that I usually do or my, my different responses to things is also stressing me out. So there's this kind of cumulative effect um, on our bodies and on our minds uh, that we have been through in the, or that has been caused by us going through this thing for the last 20 months. I don't want to sound all doom and gloom about it though. I think it's really important to acknowledge where we're at Mm -hmm. Um, because for me anyway by acknowledging it and kind of allowing myself to understand what's going on um, so going, you know, I'm, I'm actually tired because this is an insane situation that we have been facing and my body and mind has been trying to cope with it as best as possible, as opposed to kind of criticizing myself and going, what's wrong with me? Why don't I have more energy? Come on, yeah. Claire. Like, you know, we can uh, allow ourselves to be a bit more compassionate, I think, when we can understand what's actually happening for us. Yeah, I, I think to begin by just understanding consuming media and news and especially when it's of the negative kind understanding the impact that can have on your biology is like the first step and then not berating yourself for it because like you say it's such a natural instinct to want to get this information mm-hmm. I feel like there seems to be two types of people so there's the person who is like this the news is completely overwhelming me I actually can't go there I can't look at it and that would be me so I remember I was I was pregnant at the time and COVID was really ramping up and I was on news sites bored a little bit. <laughs> I'd be lying in bed and I'd just be scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And I even like got sucked into all these comment sections. The kinds of people who are commenting tend to be more doom and gloomers, yes. more kind of misery porn. And I just was aware that it was making me feel overwhelmed. And I know that feeling overwhelmed on one day might seem innocuous, but if you're doing it all day, every day over, over time, that's going to reduce my ability to be able to rationalize certain things mm-hmm. or feel like I had energy. And I certainly didn't have much of it when I was pregnant. So I made the decision to just completely turn it off. And I said to my partner and stuff like you, you let me know what I need to know. I felt like with COVID, I could only con- control what guidelines I was following. I could only do my best to wear my masks, do social distancing, mm-hmm. adhere to the guidelines. And beyond that, I couldn't control what else was happening in the world about it. So that was my coping mechanism was to kind of make my world a bit smaller. Although there's an argument that it's critical to stay really well informed. But then there's another type of person who feels like their anxiety will be worse if they don't know everything that's going on and mm-hmm. they need to know everything. And they think that's going to keep them from being anxious, but actually it's feeding it more. Would you agree in those two responses towards the news? I guess neither one is necessarily the best. Well, I think it's really important to differentiate between, and I know this is incredibly hard to do when somebody is feeling anxious, but um, like we were talking about awareness is kind of the first stage to then deciding how you want to respond. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important to try and differentiate between what is is useful worry and what's useless worry. And so useful worry being those things that you were talking about, you know, I can only worry about things that I can control in this moment right now. And then worrying about all of that other stuff that I cannot control is just going to be an additional thing for me to worry about and something that I find stressful. So I actually think the first response 
and everybody knows themselves best as well. I do want to say, you know, I can't speak yeah. for, for everybody in this, but I think that response that you had was a really healthy one because okay. you knew what you needed to do in order to control your useless worry. And then my in-laws come over and they're like, and did you see this in the news? And I'm like, yeah, no, sure. I haven't. So then I become a really poor conversationalist because I don't know what's going on in the world. And I'm like, shit, I should really know some things because uh-huh. I just felt, yeah, like you can't take on the problems of the whole world. You have to look after yourself first. Absolutely. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. What can someone look out for if they think, oh, no, that doesn't affect me, but they're feeling anxious? Would it be just like a feeling of overwhelm or would it be less obvious, do you think, if if the constant consumption of news was really negatively impacting them over time? I think a really good way to test that out is to do a day without the news. Mm. And if you're somebody who's really become kind of addicted to it because of of you wanting to know information about what's going on, then... Um, that's a kind of that's a, a problem in some ways. And, and I guess that that highlights it. Like if you can't do a day without checking the news, then it's doing something for you yeah. <laughs> or it's doing something to you. But so I think the first thing is to try and do a day without it and then see how you feel. See how you feel or do a half day. Sorry, I'm kind of rewinding here because I do think the very first thing is actually awareness is going, wait a second, in comparison to two months ago or a month ago, Am I checking the news more often? And what function is this serving? And people will know themselves. I think if you ask your your body, your kind of instinct, rather than your rational mind, is this helping me? Is this serving me? People will know whether it is or not instinctively. And then the next thing to do is to actually just see how you feel after you've checked the news next time. You know, see how you feel when you read something about COVID. Notice, tune into those um, fight, flight, freeze symptoms that might be in your body. And I suppose anxiety is one of the most physical emotions I think that we have, you know, you feel it very quickly in your body. And so just tuning into actually, did this make me feel better? Do I feel better now or do I feel worse? Okay. Um, just those really basic checks. 
Yeah, that's really simple, but really very effective advice. If someone came down from the moon now and like mm-hmm. if it was me, I missed the last two years and you told me, oh, we've been living in the midst of a global pandemic for the last 18 or whatever months. And, mm-hmm. you know, you won't be able to see people. You'd be wearing a mask. Like I probably would have had the most horrific panic attack on getting that news from zero. Mm-hmm. Do you think we get to the point where we become so exposed to a threat that we kind of calm down the threat response and we become almost desensitized to it? Or is that threat response staying elevated and we're just getting used to being stressed? I think, and I suppose this is my own kind of surmising from reading various bits and pieces and putting them together myself. I think that both happens. I think as a species, we are remarkably adaptable. Look at the way that we adapt to different situations, to different Uh, climates to different uh, challenges all of the time in our lives personally and then on on a global scale. And so I think there is an element of adaptation here where um, we're faced with the situation and we're finding ways to live our lives within that situation. But I also think that there is a low level threat that is surrounding us all of the time and that no matter how much rationalizing or denial or kind of Um, psychological defensiveness we engage in around that, that our brains and our bodies are more attuned to this threat than maybe our thoughts are. And so I think both things are happening. I think that even in a subtle way, we're all probably experiencing a heightened threat level and then a heightened fight, flight, freeze or stress response. But also we are becoming more adaptable and more flexible and and trying to live our lives in positive ways um, Mm -hmm. despite it. And those things help us, you know, when we can adapt to do like, I mean, at the start, you know, we were like, well, how are we going to live without seeing each other? OK, well, let's use Zoom. And everybody kind of moved online or everybody did those things that could help them to increase positivity in their lives while also uh, living with the situation that we're in. And so all of those little adaptations have helped and, and help us to cope. But that just doesn't get rid of the the overarching threat that there is. No. And I think such a large part of it has to do with the way in which we consume the news these days. Although I'm just thinking, you know, back in the days when you just had your one hour of news on the TV, the one TV channel that everyone watched years ago, maybe we would have been so anxiously awaiting that time of day to get that news that that would have been maybe not so good either. But I feel like, and this doesn't matter whether it's COVID news or anything, but just the constant picking up of your phone and the constant influx of information, like that alone, that stimulation has to be also contributing to stress as well. Sure. Yeah. And I think, um, well, I don't know for me when, when we were back in the days of only having an hour of the news on, I used to have a, a freak out once a day, but only because I couldn't watch home and away if, if somebody was already watching the news on the one TV. <laughs> in the house. <laughs> My, how times have changed. But um, I do think that the uh, constant stimulation and the exposure to different things. I think there's 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 positives, obviously, to um, being more informed, being more aware of different issues around the world, you know, being able to enhance our understanding of different situations and, and what's happening. I think that's a, that's a positive thing in some ways. But I think there's also a lot of emotional threat. So going back to what we were saying about how um, 
COVID kind of threatens our sense of safety when we're reminded of it. There are lots of things that do that. You know, you you think about when you look at social media and somebody seems to be doing something perfectly. Maybe, you know, their whole life isn't perfect, but they seem to be like the perfect mother or the perfect partner. Or, you know, you have those thoughts where you're like, oh God, I wish I was like that. There's a threat in that. There's a, I'm not good enough in that. And so we're constantly exposed to things that we can compare ourselves to and fall short or bad things happening um, or the idea of bad things happening. Um, so it's not just it's not just COVID for me no, anyway. No. This is my understanding of it. It's it's actually being constantly exposed to so much information all of the time in a way that is quite addictive because we all know what it feels like to just like randomly reach for your phone and then go, what am I doing? Yeah. And just that addictive nature, it becomes like a nervous tick almost that you just you keep picking up, you keep opening the same apps, you keep clicking refresh. And I think mm-hmm. that we think that it's like scrolling on your social media. And again, like I completely agree. It's like, no, it doesn't even have to be anything to do with the news, but we think it's passive. We think we're passively scrolling, but we're taking in all of that information on some level. And like whether we're comparing ourselves to someone else and that be, that is perceived as a threat or whether it's some bad news or something that we think we should have been doing, but we're not doing. Mm-hmm. Like that's a lot of stimulation. That's a lot to ask of your brain yeah. from one end of the day to the next and then to just switch off and go sleep as though you've no worries. Exactly. It's huge. And if you think about what our brains are kind of designed to do, they're designed to help us to survive fundamentally. And we do that in a few different ways. But if you were, you know, if we were living thousands of years ago, your brain is sitting there at your cave door or your cave, whatever <laughs> entrance yeah. and scanning the plane in front of you and looking for threats, looking for things that are a threat to your survival. And so we are doing that. We're not living in caves anymore and we're not looking out onto the horizon, but we're doing it with our mobile phones. We're doing it with our social media and our brain is designed to pick up what it sees as threats first and foremost, because that's what helps us to live. And so whatever we're scrolling through, our brain is is looking for information that suggests it's a threat. And that's exhausting. If nothing else, it's an exhausting process for our brains to be engaged in all of the time. In all my talk about social comparison and how unhealthy that is, just hearing you say it there, I don't think I've ever realized that actually it's a threat. It's not just apples and oranges. It's actually, am I good enough? Am I less than? That is actually perceived as a threat to your body. So it's not just, oh, don't don't compare yourself. You're, You're actually making your body feel as though it's under threat when it doesn't need to be. It's inviting in threats that don't need to be there in your bedroom in the morning when you're feeling vulnerable. So I think it's really important to become aware of that. Not that you have to go and live in a hole in a cave and never have any news or any information or hear about anybody else, but just to be aware of it. And then to curate your news feed on Instagram, certainly see how you feel when you look at certain things on Instagram. And if you feel like there's any little twinge of negativity around how you feel about yourself like then there must be some sort of threat response happening there and then just mute to your heart's content like I have gotten so militant with the content that I consume and sometimes it's aspirational sometimes it's relatable and I'm like sometimes I just I don't want either sometimes I just want content that is like a night like this one art page that I follow and it's just really soothing videos of beautiful just art things you can just see hands like painting and stuff and that's such a it's neutral content it doesn't have any impact on how I feel about myself so that kind of thing has been really helpful for me and like I say completely cutting back on 
on the news that I, I well, I never turn on the TV. If the TV is on my house, it's cocoa bloody melon for the baby. So there's not like I wouldn't mind the news. <laughs> but let's talk about, I suppose, asking people to outmaneuver these massive tech companies and these massive media conglomerates that while we think are there to just report and give us information, they're not like they are. They are motivated bottom line by keeping us addicted to these websites on these channels, watching 24 hour news cycle, keep going back for more, keep clicking in, commenting, engaging. It's not necessarily a, a goodwill thing of like, these are, this is information you really should know and need to know. It's like, how can we keep people on this website? So like, we have to be aware of that to begin with. Yes, absolutely. And they can see that the neuroscience that's emerged over the last few years is, is fascinating that um, when we click, when we get a like, or when we get a comment, or when somebody interacts with us on social media, our brain releases dopamine, which is um, one of the same neurotransmitters that is released um, with the use of various addictive drugs. Dopamine is, is a highly addictive chemical within our brains or something that is triggered by addictive chemicals. And that creates uh, this desire for us to engage in the same behavior over and over again, because dopamine makes us feel really good. So if you do something, you get a hit of dopamine, you feel great, you're more likely to do it again in the future. And that's why we get addicted to social media and to those interactions. I loved what you said there about curating your news feed. Mm. Um, and I think even going one step further than that, like curating your life to a degree, but actually, yeah, how you use your phone, how you engage with with news, social media um, information is really key because like you were saying, we can't live in a hole. This is our lives. And there's certain aspects of it that are important to us all to keep in touch with people and to to have access to information and to be inspired by content that we see. But it's about how do we engage with that, actually? And that's where we have choice. Once you become aware of something um, that's either good for you or not good for you, you can then choose whether to engage with it or not to engage with it. And curating your um, your tech use and your yeah. use of social media it just becomes vital in that. Absolutely. Another thing I did was I just deleted my, I deactivated and deleted my Twitter account. Twitter is not something that's on my phone because mm -hmm. I really found out of all the social media platforms and news platforms that for me was, it was just like a bunch of negative non sequiturs. Like that's all it ever mm -hmm. is. And it's like the negativity breeds more negativity. It's like the negativity bias in a social media app is Twitter yeah. for me. People <laughs> yeah. are, can be so angry and sarky and jibey and snipey. And mm. I found that whenever I went on, I was scrolling, I just felt I could feel the sense of like this pull towards the ground mm. and it was nothing. People didn't go there to really share good news. People just go there getting a bad mood. I mean, obviously there's benefits to Twitter. It's been really a part of people's voice and businesses and everything. But for me, making that decision was one thing I was like, you know what? I don't need this. Mm -hmm. And I don't, just because something exists and because something is popular doesn't mean you have to subscribe to it. I was like, this isn't for me. I don't need it for work really. It doesn't, wasn't really relevant there. It's not doing me any favors. I don't have any really reason to be on it from a social perspective. So I just said, what's the point? And that takes a little bit of confidence as well, I think, is to know that just because there, there's platforms here doesn't mean you need to be part of them. I find it really fascinating, actually, because I don't think there's any other area of our lives. Well, maybe not any other area, but when you think about things that we spend our time doing, so whatever you're into, I don't think most people feel like, oh, well, I have to be into whatever everybody else is into. Some people might, I suppose, feel a bit of social pressure or think, yeah. oh, well, that's a cool thing to do. But like some people like 
you know, certain types of films and other people don't. Some people like to read, other people like to write, other people run, some people don't run. You know, we're all aware, usually by the time we get to adulthood, that we have different likes and interests. But when it comes to social media, there's this idea that actually we should all be on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is. Um, and that if you're not, that you're somehow missing out. Whereas we don't feel that in relation to the other things that we spend our time doing. I find that really interesting. There is a pressure around it. Yeah. Um, and I think that sometimes drives people. I know it drives me to use it sometimes. And actually being aware of the pressure of the the kind of uh, the emotion that it creates within you. And then choosing how you engage with it is just is vital for all of our health and well-being. I'm curious if someone makes a change around the news or the content they consume, is it likely, I don't know, maybe there's been a study done on this, maybe you're just familiar with it in your work. It's like when someone goes from smoking 65 a day to trying to quit, there's going to be an initial, oh Jesus, like I, I need that. That like anxiety might actually get worse in the short term, that feeling of, I need to know what's going on, that we should be aware of that, allow for that. And then for me anyway, sometimes I go away and I leave my phone at home Mm -hmm. and I don't want to leave my phone at home, but I know it's good for me to do that. And in the car on the way, I remember in the airport, I was, I was going away this before COVID and I wanted to just take a break from it. And my husband was, he he went to the bar or something. And I straight away went to put my hand in my pocket. I was like, I don't have my phone. I can't scroll. I can't, I have to sit here and take in my surroundings. And I felt this like complete, like, like I left my limb at home. And so I had that spike, like an addiction and then it, it settled. And then I was so much calmer over the weekend. It was so powerful that I was like, okay, you need to do this more often. Should people be aware that they might think, well, I don't feel any better not consuming the news, but you might feel better after a while if you tone it down. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I think, and it's hard because you need to be really, really in tune with yourself, I think, to have the awareness that you did in that situation about what was going on for you and um, because for some people they might just feel the same type of anxiety or they might just feel anxious when they're reading the news and then anxious without their phone and not um differentiate between the two types of anxiety or where both are coming from yeah but I think that's a really important point that you you might not feel better immediately that again dopamine is something that our brain really responds to very quickly and when we don't get that dopamine hit we tend to try and keep looking for it for a little while until we just we we stop having it for quite a while and then our Brain settles a bit. On that note, like, do you think we get a dopamine hit from consuming bad news? Sorry, I should be careful here. So the dopamine hit comes from, um, I haven't read any research about dopamine and bad news, okay. but it comes from engaging with social media. Okay. Um, and so when we get more positive, I suppose, engagement on social media, I don't know, I'm not a neuropsychologist, I suppose, or, or a, a neurologist. Um, so I just hands up want to say that this is not my area of expertise, but I'd imagine that what we get from consuming bad news would be more adrenaline and cortisol, which are the, okay. the chemicals that are involved in the stress response. And so they're, they have a slightly different uh, impact. Adrenaline can sometimes feel good. It can sometimes feel a bit like excitement, mm-hmm. but it's not as kind of hard hitting as dopamine would be. Okay. So in that scenario, it might be more a case of just like a habit as opposed to a reward. Yes, exactly. Well said. Well said. <laughs> Another question for you. I don't know if you'll be able to answer, but even apart from us consuming the news, do you find like, is there a reason why people tend to share bad news? Like we pick up the phone and my mom will tell me about someone she knows, like the latest mm-hmm. person to have died. Like 
what is that human nature thing of like, are we trying to help each other keep an eye out for threats by sharing bad news more so than we'll share some good news? I think there's lots of reasons for it. I mean, I don't want to be too cynical, but I know some people who really enjoy sharing bad news. There's yeah, a like kind of, misery porn um, is like <laughs> the proper word. <laughs> misery porn, exactly. Um, and so there's some people who do, I think, experience um, pleasure or um, maybe an increased uh, sense of safety or something positive because there's a feeling of, oh my gosh, thank God that's not happening to me. Okay, yeah. But then I also think that there's something very human about trying to connect with another person when you were kind of emotionally triggered. So I know for me, sometimes if I hear something particularly shocking or particularly sad or upsetting, saying it to another person and having them kind of validate that experience and go, I know it's just so, it's so sad, um, is a way of connecting with another person. And so I think that can drive uh, sharing that type of information as well as just our, our need for, um, emotional connection with other people and those experiences that trigger emotions more strongly are going to drive us then to to connect emotionally with other people around those times. So we've mentioned the importance of awareness and hopefully just us having this conversation and someone listening will have given them the awareness around the impact that constantly picking up the phone and reading the news every day can have on them. What else can we do? Are there any further steps we can take? I know the the WHO had had given some some guidelines and you had shared some on your Instagram. What can someone when they finish listening to this put into action so who had recommended that we don't check the news any more than three times a day that was the limit that they through their research had established um didn't have a negative impact on um anxiety and low mood so that's the first thing is just notice how many times you're checking it um notice how it's making you feel and then i think what's really important um and it's something that i know you've spoken about before caroline that you know these emotions, whether it's anxiety or fear or sadness or whatever it is, are just part of the human experience. And so we have to teach ourselves that they are okay to feel like that they are uncomfortable um, and frightening and uh, not a nice experience either in your thoughts or in your body, but that that none of it is going to kill us. And if we can learn to be accepting of our emotional states, then we can choose how to engage with them. Because oftentimes we get caught up in trying to resist our emotional states and that in kind of in turn makes them worse. So I think if you are feeling anxious, I know your books have been incredibly helpful to so many people. Um, and there's a few different approaches that I have found really useful as well. Acceptance and commitment therapy in particular, which teaches us how to accept our emotional states and then make commitments in terms of how we want to deal with them. So if you are feeling more anxious when you're consuming the news or you notice that social media usage makes you feel worse, then make a commitment to yourself about how you're going to reduce those things and how you're going to do things that actually are beneficial for your mental health instead. Again, easier said than done. I know it's not that simple, but it's a good place to start. And it's all trial and error. I mean, like, obviously, we know it's critical to be aware of what's going on in the world right now. It's never more than ever because it, you know, it really actually affects every single person when they leave their house at the moment. So we can't really bury our head in the sand, but we can see how we feel before we consume the news and how we feel directly after. We can see, we can look at the news and think, how much of this can I actually control? I can control Mm -hmm. my reaction to it. I can control what's happening in the world. Like you can't, it's a lot to take on. So you can only control the controllables. So I think being aware of that and then seeing how you feel afterwards and then doing a little trial, like you say, where you give it a day or two and see like if if you can, if it's possible to leave your phone at home for a weekend, if you're going away and 
and it's only two days. You'll, you'll come back to it and just see how you feel. So inspiring, Caroline. I'm listening to you talk. And when you said, you know, leave your phone at home for a weekend, I actually felt my stomach flip. <laughs> I oh, felt yeah, like I know. my anxiety kicking in going, oh, can I do that? That's like, and then I was thinking, gosh, well, if that's what's making you anxious, then that's definitely what you need to do is actually to break that, that connection, break that thread. Yeah. I mean, if the thought of it makes you feel anxious, then yeah. there you go. Yeah. If the thought of not looking at the news or looking at it only once a day is making you feel like your tummy's flipping, then maybe that's what you need to try. And because you're doing it in a controlled way, it's not like someone just stole your phone and you're gone. If you're doing it in a controlled way, I think that makes you, well, for me anyway, more you're you're in the driving seat of it. So then you then feel more empowered by it, by what you're doing. And like you've already taken action and you're doing something positive from the get-go to help you own your anxiety in whatever area of life it's coming from. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly that. Claire, I could talk to you about everything all day, especially about anxiety and psychology and everything. You just distill everything so perfectly. You say things that I'm like, oh my God, like the penny has dropped. So I can't thank you enough for joining me again. I hope you will come back again soon and we'll tackle another topic. I hope this has been helpful for people. It's been certainly helpful for me to understand the impact that it has on a biological level, on a psychological level. And just to cap everything off by by saying the most important thing is to not beat yourself up about it and to understand that it's such a natural thing. And all of these apps are designed to make us stay on them. It's not your fault. You're not doing anything wrong, but you can compassionately maybe decide that you deserve something a little bit different. Well said. Thanks for having me, Caroline. Thank you, Claire. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details the easiest way to access owning it real time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details whatever you call them show notes you will find the link in there at the top you can sign up right away for owning it real time and access a full library of 10 situation specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before